Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Viewpoint Alabama, a public affairs program from the Alabama Radio Network about the people, places, and events that impact our state. Welcome to Viewpoint Alabama. I'm your host, JT, and our guest this week is uh, from the Jimmy Hale Mission. Tony Cooper has been with them for years now. Good to see you. JT, always good to see you. How long has Jimmy Hale Mission been involved with helping others? Sure. Jimmy Hale Mission was founded in March of 1944. So we celebrated our 73rd anniversary this past March, so we're well into our 74th anniversary. Very few things are older than me anymore. I'm an old guy, (laughs) JT. But Jimmy Hale Mission is one of those and, and was founded by Jimmy and Jesse Hale. Jimmy in the in, in the early forties was known as the town drunk prior to his Christian conversion. Okay, wow. so um, you know you know after he met Christ, his life was changed. He met this school teacher from Moundville. They got married. God put it on their heart to 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 found a place that could help guys on the street that was struggling, uh, like Jimmy had prior. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the mission was founded as a storefront chapel, as I said in March of nineteen forty four. Real quick, interesting story. Jimmy died eight months later. Oh, wow. At age 39. Where where did this all take place in Alabama? It was in Birmingham. It okay. was uh, it was in uh, not far from from where you know uh, where we are today, and uh, we were cl- close to where the downtown post office is. Uh, the the uh, Jimmy Hill the mission was a storefront chapel for the first ten years. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we had, before we had the monies or the facilities to to house people or to feed people. It's interesting, JT. God has a sense of humor. Okay, the first location of Jimmy Hill Mission was the the, the very bar. That Jimmy sold his last drink as a bartender. How about that? <laughs> so I know God's more interested in people than buildings. I, I, I'm sure that's just that, it. Just shows me God's sense of humor and, and how He Absolutely. uses things and converts. We're into conversion as He converts things for His glory and His good. Well, let's talk about the mission of Jimmy Hale and the other facilities first. Uh, let's talk about the other facilities and then come back to what the mission is for all of these facilities. Sure. Let me just share with you, you know, our, our mission statement. Okay? okay, to minister to the spirit and physical needs of the poor and hurting in Jesus name okay you know um, I, I, our our values are that we are client focused Christ-centered and cheerful stewards our goals are to get people back to God back to life and back to work okay our vision is to have every truth shared every hunger filled and every life changed so that's kind of sums up our philosophy our belief system mm-hmm. what jimmy hill mission is is all about now, along with the Jimmy Hale Mission, you've got other facilities that are tied with you. Sure. Jimmy Hale Mission now is our umbrella name. When I came, we only had one facility. It was a men's center, as I said. Back, you know, it was founded in 44. For 10 years, it was a storefront chapel where we shared the gospel, you know. And, and that continues to be our priorities, as you can tell from our mission sure. purpose statement and who we are, okay? But then, okay, um, Miss Jessie, remember, was a widow. When Jimmy died eight months after founding the mission, she was a 27-year-old widow expecting their first child with no home of their own. So it was tough. It was difficult. And so she kept praying that God would send a man to help her because it was a men's mission. Okay, and back then, it, it was... It 
it was, uh, you know, it was un, un, not unheard of, but not normal for women to be heading up an organization or a ministry, especially a men's work. Finally, 10 years later, God sent Leo Shapur, a student at Birmingham, Southeastern Bible College here in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and, and so the mission started to grow. We served our first, talk about Thanksgiving, we served our first meal. Okay, on Thanksgiving Day, nineteen fifty-four. Okay, about that? and so Thanksgiving is a part of our history. Thanksgiving is just a part of who we are. But that's our that's that's our men our men's center now. We've relocated uh, our men's center over near Sloss Furnace here in Birmingham and Birmingham Waterworks. But it's our largest and oldest facility. Our first expansion project was Royal Pine Center 22 years ago, um, which is a Bible-based substance abuse recovery program for men. Jesse's Place will celebrate our 20th anniversary there next year. Congratulations. Uh, Jesse's Place for women and children. The fastest growing population of new homeless is women and children. And so uh, we, we just had those three shelters. Those are our residential facilities. Each of those three shelters, JT, have a learning center where we do education, remediation, and job readiness. We've had people get their GEDs, go on to trade school, go on, go on, go on to college. I've had a couple of guys that come in that were functionally illiterate who learned how to read through our learning centers. So that's what's going on at our residential facilities. We also have thrift stores. We have three here in the Birmingham area. We call them Mission Possible Bargain Centers, and they also are a part, and the proceeds go back into the work. And then our baby at Jimmy Hill Mission is Discovery Clubs. We adopted this ministry about five years ago. These are after-school Bible clubs. In public elementary schools, okay, oh, I love it. And 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 I, and I know your background has been involved in Youth for Christ years gone by, yes. so you understand the value of reaching kids and teenagers, okay, uh, with the with, you know with the good news of the gospel and laying the foundation that they can build their lives on to help them in, in decision making and making good choices. So we're excited about Discovery Clubs. We're in thirty two schools, see about two thousand kids a year. It's like a vacation Bible school, one hour a day, one day a week while school's in session. So all those different things I just mentioned now come under the umbrella of Jimmy Hill Mission. You want to know more, go to our website, and you can find out more about about us and who we serve and what we do. Tony, you've been with the uh, Jimmy Hill Mission for over 20 years now. Uh, what brought you to the mission, and what's your background? 27 years ago is, is, is when I came. Uh, I, I, re- I, I received Christ, uh, you know, when I was 13. Uh, and like and like some others, unfortunately, for the next ten years, you couldn't tell it much. I mm-hmm. mean, I was a Christian, but I really my lifestyle did not show that. And and so I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm just saying that's the truth. That's the way it was. It's, it's true for a lot of Christians. Yeah. And and and, and I was struggling. And anyway, didn't have my focus proper. Anyway, uh, I served three years in the army, then came out and and started the school on, on Easter Sunday, 1973, when I was 23 years old rededicated my, my life to Christ. And at that point, you no, know, kind of like when Jimmy got saved, that, that was kind of the really beginning of my Christian walk mm-hmm. is at 23. Went to Bible college, came back to work at a local mission, uh, got my master's degree, you know, and uh, have, you know, have, have, have two sons and uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we've been married 49 years. So thank, you know, thank God for, you know, for, for my family. Congratulations. But, but now then we, uh, I, I was, in, it's interesting Talking about volunteering, I was introduced to mission work as a teenager. You know, between that 13 and 23 period, it wasn't all bad. I mean, right. you know, I'd go down with our church and volunteer through chapel service at, at the local mission. And uh, that was my introduction. And probably what drew me to the mission and mission work, JT, 
uh, my dad's recovered alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we uh, he he passed away this past year. No, uh, but, but, but but he found the Lord. You know, he got sober through AA and found the Lord in the church, and that now he went on to be in the Lord. So he's in the presence of the Lord. Okay, but but. I agree. He left us when I was eight years old, and, and my brother and sister and my mom. And so, so, you know, God forgave him. We got through that. But I'm just saying, I was familiar. Then, then my mom remarried, and my stepdad was alcoholic, and his, his life was, was, was a little different. Uh, he struggled. As a Christian, he struggled and just never could get victory over sobriety and died of cirrhosis of the liver. Mm. So I'm saying that to say, you know, I, I have experienced – from the other side, from a family member, and seeing the devastation that addiction can do, yeah. and uh, and I think God used that to kind of get my focus on. You know, probably initially when I when I first when God first called me to the ministry, I was probably doing it in my mind to help my dad. Okay, or to help my stepdad, if if, if that makes sense. No, to absolutely. You, I, I think there's a lot of people I think Tony that listen that can relate to that and have had substance abuse in their family in one fashion or another. Whether it's a, a direct member of that immediate family or a cousin or you know a spouse or a brother, or sister, or a husband or wife, uh, you know it's it it's in a lot of people's lives. Sure, it's touched it's touched most, if not all, families. And by the way, JT, most families are are going through something Mm -hmm. because just going through life you know jesus said in this world you will have trouble so you know just sometimes we don't like it but difficulties obstacles challenges adversities is just a a, a part of life but now then from a christian god can use those things okay to draw us to himself yeah and the second half of that is but I've overcome the world. But I've overcome and the world. And that's where I think the rock of Jesus Christ gives us hope and salvation, that there is a way out of the madness that we're is suffering through in this place that we're in right sure. now. The first thing he says in leading into that, Jesus said, he says, I give you my peace. Mm-hmm. And that's how come Christians can have internal peace in the midst of adversity that the world they're going through in the world. Talking with Tony Cooper with the Jimmy Hale Mission, our guest this week on Viewpoint Alabama. Tony, when you came to Jimmy Hale 27 years ago, it wasn't all roses. Things, <laughs> things were tough when you got there. Well, you know, it's kind of, as we mentioned, you know, life's tough sometimes. And all of us are dealing with something, JT. But for me at that point, the mission, now we, we were just a one facility. Our budget was $350,000 a year, and we were $40,000 in debt. When I first got here, I had vendors that the mission owed money to calling me and saying, when are we going to get our money? And, and I'm, I'm brand new. I'm trying to figure this all out, you know, and, and, and trying to develop a plan. And, and I, and, but I heard what they were saying. And, 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 um, I went home. Matter of fact, this was kind of my first week. During that first week, I went home and I'm, and I'm laying on my couch. My family hadn't even moved up here, August of 1990. And I'm laying on the couch and I'm praying. And I'm crying. I'm a crier, you know. And so when I get emotional, I, I just cry. My bladder's right behind my eyes, man. You know. So there you go. But but I'm, but my point is, I was so I was so emotional, uh, dis, uh, not discouraged. I wasn't into despair, but I'm going, God, this is not a good testimony. A ministry ought to be able to pay its its bills, mm-hmm. okay? And so I said, God, you're going to have to help me because I don't know how to fix this. This is above my pay grade. I mean, you're going to have to step in and help me. And and he gave me. 
Proverbs chapter 3, 5, 6, and 7. Trust in the Lord, the, not yourself, okay? the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Okay? Be not wise in your own. Feel Lord in the, and, and, and I said, okay, God, I hear you. Long story short, the mission that I formerly worked at before I came up here, Waterfront Mission down in Pensacola, they, they they understood that we were in a difficult situation. We had never done a mass mailing before and really didn't have the money to do it now. Mm-hmm. They said, look, Tony, uh, we, we're in the process of printing our letter. It's a generic letter about the homeless and the hungry and how people can support that. He says, he says you, you pick out 100,000 addresses, pick a, give us zip codes. We'll, we'll take our letter and put it on your letterhead because the message is the same. The mm-hmm. story is the same. Help sure. the hungry during the holidays. And, and so so God, and he said, we'll bankroll it, and if it don't work, you don't owe us nothing, okay, because they knew it would work, could it? Long story short, um, I drove down the old raggedy van, picked up 100,000 uh, pieces of mail and trays and brought it back up. We had to scrape to get the money for postage. Yes. We didn't know if we were going to get paid. Just the money was not – we'll talk about money a little bit more, but the money – anyway – Long story short, we did that first mailing, JT. Mailed out 100,000 pieces of mail. God blessed us with $100,000. By then, we were $60,000 in debt. Paid off the 60, paid the mission back, the bankrolled it, financed it for it, underwrote it for us. And, 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 and since then, 27 years ago, I've never had to apologize to a vendor again. So even though, even though at the mission, we we're in the red financially about eight months out of the year. Okay, mm-hmm. so we look forward to 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 holiday giving, year end giving, to help us make up the difference. And as I said, we finished in the black for the last twenty six oh, years. So so, but and right now we're down about fourteen percent. But God is faithful, and we're just looking forward to making that up in fourth quarter. Well, I love your mission and your goals and where you are, and as far as serving and helping other people. And I think. Folks, if you think things are tough in your life right now, there are people out there struggling uh, worse than you and I. And I've known in my own personal life, when you take away the attention on yourself and you give it back towards somebody else and focus on helping somebody else, it's amazing how much better you feel spiritually, emotionally, physically. I mean, just everything in your life goes away from so much negative on me and my life so terrible to... I've made a difference in somebody's life. Even you don't have to be rich to do this. So I mean, a little bit goes a long way. What we do that we emphasize a dollar ninety dollar ninety five JT dollar ninety five will sponsor a meal. You know, we all need meals. Okay, so if you haven't, I know some people money's tight, JT. And by the way, um, Jimmy Hill Mission is not the only ministry or nonprofit around. There's people listening to to this that that are in different areas of the state. Get involved with your church or or your local charity that God leads you to. Okay, but now for us. A dollar ninety-five sponsors a meal. Why do we get so excited about that? Because a meal can lead to a changed life because of the programs that we offer. To find out more about it, where should people go? Jimmy with an IE, JimmyHaleMission.com. Secure donation page, get lots of information there. Very good. Tony Cooper, Jimmy Hale Mission, thanks for being with us. Thank you, JT. Always good to see you. You're listening to Viewpoint Alabama, a public affairs program from the Alabama Radio Network.
Welcome to Viewpoint. We're glad you're... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With us is Dollar Bill in Madison. And today we're going to talk about something that is so important and uh, so meaningful that uh, everyone in the state of Alabama should help uh, know about more about this. And that's St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And Scott Hinchelwood is on the phone with us from St. Jude's. Hello, Scott. Morning, Dollar Bill. Morning, Madison. Oh, hope you're having a great day. We uh, yeah, we thought you would be the perfect person to talk to about St. Jude. We do the Radiothon here, um, Dollar Bill and I, every single year. But you have such a different perspective. You were a former patient of St. Jude, and now you work for the company, right? Exactly. So uh, it's really a dream come true. So uh, 25 years ago, actually this month, um, I was a high school freshman with a sore ankle. Uh, and it turned out, you know, just like any other 15-year-old boy, uh, you don't go to the doctor until your mommy makes you. And so after I limped for, for a couple months, uh, mom made me go to the doctor and they did an x-ray and they found a tumor. Uh, they diagnosed it within the first few days as osteosarcoma which is the most common form of bone cancer in children. And um, St. Jude immediately took me in and started doing all the testing to, to make sure it hadn't spread because of uh, bone cancer has a tendency to spread to the lungs. And that's when, uh, uh, unfortunately, that's when survival rates and things start to plummet. But luckily for me, it hadn't spread. And I uh, started on chemo. And then um, because of the tumor not really shrinking at all, uh, St. Jude made the decision and w- with me and my family, obviously, to, that we had to do a bloating amputation of my left leg to ensure that we got all the tumor out. Uh, and then from there, I continued on chemo. Um, I was blessed with, you know, my family had insurance. We we were, you know, I, I guess middle class, whatever you want to call us. We we were, you know, doing okay. But um, one of those things where, if, if you know, every every month we'd get statements in from St. Jude saying, you don't owe a dime, but here's, here's how much we paid. And, you know, it, it was, you know, $50,000 a year and a surgery for okay. 20000 here and a chemo. And so it just really, uh, it added up quickly. And luckily, none of it, we didn't know any of it. Because just like you said, you guys do the Radiothon and lots of other stations do. And there's so many other great donors out there. And I'm alive today because of St. Jude. How old were you then again, Scott? I was 15 when I was 15. diagnosed. So 15, 16 years old, that whole, that almost that whole year, nine months worth of treatment. Here's the deal. I, we're talking to Scott Hinchelwood here. And he he lost his leg to the, the the cancer at 15, went through a lot of chemo, and I'm sure the chemo wasn't always very pleasant. So now you've gone through that at St. Jude, and you still say it's a dream come true to work for St. Jude. Tell me why you have such a passion after going through something that should be negative and traumatic, losing a leg, going through all that chemo. Of course, surviving the cancer is great, but that's got to be a, a pretty strong experience, and yet you've, you call it a dream come true. Why is St. Jude so important to you? Well, because I get to come back to the place that saved my life, and I, and I get to make a difference in other kids' lives. Um, I work now. I manage our Country Cares Radiothon program. So we have about, just like you guys, there are about 200 radio stations around the country that, that raise money for us through the radiothons and, and other events. Um, but, it, you know, for me, it's, 
you know, 25 years later, seeing how the advancements have come, especially in osteotreatment or even some of the other cancers. Uh, kids nowadays, they do a lot of limb salvage where they might not have to amputate a leg like they did 25 years ago. The chemo, uh, in some cases, is not quite as harsh as it was when I was on treatment. I lost a little bit of hearing, and they're continuing to monitor me for any heart and lung and uh, kidney damage. Luckily, none of it showed up. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just it's the dream of coming back and seeing more and more kids walk out alive every day because of the money I raise and the work that we do. Wow. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, we all love St. Jude so much because, you, like you said, no family ever gets a bill. Um, do you get money from the government? Yeah, St. Jude, uh, about 70% of our money comes from the general public and through events like what you guys do. Uh, the other 30% uh, is from, from government grants and things like that um, that we do get, um, some foundations. Um, but one of the things we have to keep in mind is that if that money goes away, the hospital still has to uh, – the cancer doesn't quit just because a government you know, didn't, didn't provide enough money in a study. So that's why it's so important for the events that we do around the country and the donors that we could still have the partners in hope that are, that are still giving. So um, we do get money from the government in some cases, but it's not something that we rely on budgetary-wise every year. Like most of it is from just regular people. And I know that when we do the radiothons, it's always amazing to me to find out just how much money it takes to keep St. Jude open every day, just to open the doors, like how much the, it is every single day. Exactly. It's $2 million a day. And, and the thing that we really want to point out to folks is that uh, the average donation to St. Jude is still right around $36. Um, so it, it's great that we have wonderful, um, you know, corporation, the things that may support us, or but it's still that, that, that single person, that partner in hope, or that folks who, who called in and made that donation out of their paycheck, out of their hard-earned pay. Uh, those are the folks that help keep the doors open. Yeah. Scott, i got to ask you, is a lot of people are saying, okay, they're familiar with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I know it's located perhaps in memphis tennessee so people Mm -hmm. say okay i've got you know local charities that need my money why should i send my money to memphis tennessee why should everybody in the state in the united states or even all over the world why should they support saint jude a hospital sitting in memphis tennessee yeah, exactly. And, and we would never tell somebody not to support the local charities. All the char- charities there are, are wonderful. The, the One of the reasons to support St. Jude, and we provide that most up-to-date research, the protocols, all of that's provided free of charge. The point of St. Jude is when we do this research is we share it out there. And the point of that is so that if another researcher in another part of the, the country or the world gets that and, and can build on it or it can help them um, fit a puddle piece in that's going to open even more doors, we, we want that to happen. We want to find a cure. Yeah, the money's not just supporting a hospital that's taking care of of some very sick children, which is a great thing. But it's also the research behind it's what's so amazing. And you have a huge research center there that's located on the campus with the actual part of the hospital, which not only helps uh, do that thing from where that you're right there by the patients themselves, but also these you've got like scientists and doctors working there that have won Nobel Prizes, right? Exactly. Uh, we call it bench-to-bedside research because, like you said, our researchers and our treating physicians are both on the same campus and working uh, collaboratively to, to ensure that our patients are getting the most up-to-date and best care. Uh, and, and like you said, we, we have some of the best researchers in the world. Dr. Peter Doherty, who won the Nobel Prize in 1996, uh, works here. He Through his work, he was, when he was at St. Jude, he won the Nobel Prize. So he uh, he works here, and then there's other you know amazing physicians that uh, come here that, that won other prestigious awards, the last curve awards and other uh, awards. We, we publish more papers than any other uh, pediatric cancer hospital in the world, more research papers out. And so uh, that's just one of the things we pride ourselves on is, is learning anything new that we, we learn. We want to put it out and let people learn from it. Scott, let me ask you, what is St. Jude shooting for? What's the goal for St. Jude when it comes to childhood cancers? 
Yeah, so right now we, 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 we uh, about 80% of the cancers that walk through our door um, become survivors. And in the next decade, we're hoping to take that to 90%. Uh, it, it's a very lofty goal. We know that it's, um, but it's something we feel like we can make the biggest impact on because we're the largest pediatric cancer research center. Um, we're, one of the things that we're doing is we've opened up uh, a new tower called the K-Care Center. And by next year, uh, a proton beam therapy will be available. We'll be one of the only places in the world with proton beam therapy and the only pediatric cancer hospital, uh, pediatric cancer center in the world with proton mm. beam therapy. And this is uh, basically radiation therapy used on brain tumors. It does not affect surrounding brain tissue. It hits the tumor and doesn't affect the rest of the brain. So it's going to revolutionize specifically with brain tumors uh, how we treat those. And as you might imagine, brain tumors are, are very deadly and uh, very difficult to treat just in the, the location alone, as you might imagine. It's really cool. It's like the only place in the world that's going to have this therapy. Yeah, we're excited about it. And it's about a $65 million investment we're making but we know it's going to uh, revolutionize how we treat brain tumors in children. And then, uh, by us being the only folks to use it on pediatrics, it's going to help, obviously, with the research side of things as well. And as this technology grows and becomes a little bit more inexpensive, we'll already have the base, basics of the research that people can, can kind of piggyback on that and continue to treat kids all over the world. We're talking to Scott Hinchawood, who uh, works for St. Jude and heads up their, uh, their, their uh, fundraising. <laughs> couldn't think of it. The fundraising for all the Country Cares uh, radiothons throughout the country. And you were a former patient as well. And just that's an amazing story that you came back to work for the hospital. I've been doing it for so many years. And, you know, you're not the only one. There's a ton of former patients that work for the hospital, isn't there? Yeah, there are about 15 of us currently, and, and I think in all my almost 18 years here, we've had well over 20. Um, you know, there, there's a guy that works on our video team who lost an arm, and he's one of the best uh, video producers you can ever, you'll can ever you ever see. We have uh, folks who work in our dream home department. We raffle off houses in some parts of the country. So uh, all of us feel a connection and, and uh, just want to continue to give back and uh, help kids beat cancer, and that's why we all, we all survived, and it's the least we could do to give back. We heard that awesome story about uh, a recent researcher that is doing research for St. Jude, who was a patient as well. Gabby, can you tell a little bit yep. about that? Yeah, Gabby Salinas, um, she uh, went to college. Uh, she survived. She was actually from Bolivia originally, um, got to the U.S., and her family was told by another institution that they would need to pay $250,000 just to try to treat her. And so Gabby uh, became a St. Jude patient, thank goodness, and uh, she's alive today. She has, uh, you know, she's gone to school. She's one of our researchers. She works on our malaria project. Malaria is one of those diseases, especially in third world countries, that, that, uh, that kills so many. And so one of the things she's looking at do is create a better vaccine that uh, that St. Jude can use to help Im- impact the world, especially in third world countries where malaria uh, is such a deadly disease. Uh, so she's re- really working hard. She calls it her baby malaria plants, and or not plants, or petri dishes and everything. Yeah. So um, Gabby's just, uh, she's a lot smarter than me, basically, what it boils down to. <laughs> Gabby's brilliant. She's very passionate. And poor Gabby's actually uh, an anomaly in a sense. She's been a patient at St. Jude's twice because of she was actually cured of cancer one time and then developed another completely different kind of cancer again, didn't she? Exactly. Gabby, Gabby's gabby been through the ringer, but you wouldn't know it. She's still no. got one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gives her the, She's a the spunk that she has. Uh, exactly. She's mm-hmm. a fireball. And, and that gives her the spunk, especially in her lab. She's determined to, to make a difference in the world. And, and by helping to find the malaria vaccine mm-hmm. that's going to impact uh, kids from her original home country in Bolivia and other countries, it's uh, that's one of her passions. And she's uh, she Gabby's hard to have dinner with because she's always working so many weird hours because wow. experiments are going on. So uh, you never know when you're going to have dinner with Gabby. You have to <laughs> 
schedule that pretty far out. Ho- hopefully the malaria won't keep her away. <laughs> well, we're talking about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And uh, another one of my favorite things about your hospital is you touched on it about your story. Nobody who's a patient there gets a bill. Their families don't have to worry about that. How important is that to the families? Oh, that's huge. I mean, it doesn't matter if, if, if you're the richest person in the world or the poorest person. Uh, you're treated the same, and that's you know kind of how healthcare should be almost. You you walk in, and, and St. Jude sees you as, as as a person with a deadly disease, a cancer, sickle cell, whatever it may be. And the first thing we're going to do is get you under treatment and start figuring out how to make you well. And, uh, and that's how it should be. And there, there's nothing factored in is if your insurance covers this much, you don't get this treatment. All of it's covered. I mean, St. Jude, if you need to do a, a CAT scan every day to continue you to look at the growth. St. Jude does that. There's no insurance that, that can tell us no. And so um, we certainly bill the insurance for what it's supposed to be billed for. But, you know, if, if the insurance doesn't cover it or won't pay it uh, because it's research or whatever, uh, the beauty of it is we just pay all of it. And that's through all the donors out there that make that possible. Finding cures, saving lives. That's one of the taglines you always hear with St. Jude, and it's a great thing to do. Scott, uh, folks all over the state of Alabama uh, benefit from this. We, I know there's lots and lots of children uh, all over the state of Alabama who have been uh, treated at St. Jude's and will continue to be. And one thing we'd love to do is put that hospital basically out of business by just curing all the cancers and the problems, that, that uh, catastrophic problems that hit children. If someone who's listening to Viewpoint right now would like to help St. Jude, what's the best way for them to contact you so they can? support or help St. Jude in some way? They can go to stjude.org. Uh, you will go there. You can learn all about the hospital, see videos, you'll see patients of the month, uh, and all the different programs that you can get involved with to help the hospital. Everything from, from the 1025 The Bull Radiothon all the way up through all the other events around the country that we have, um, You know, whether it's dinners and galas or golf tournaments, whatever whatever your interest is. Uh, we have all those events listed on our website, and that would be the best best starting spot in my, my estimation. And you can certainly reach me through the website as well. Uh, just shoot an email to the info, and they'll, they'll get it to me, and I'll be glad to, to help you any way that I can if uh, whatever whatever your thoughts are to maybe start an event or something. Well, we're just about out of time. Got a, about a minute left, but I got to ask you about your 25th anniversary of losing your leg, because you mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of the program you lost your leg 25 years ago. The mm-hmm. anniversary is coming up uh, just in a week or two. What are you doing to celebrate the loss of Lefty? Well, we, we call it Leg Week, but they can go to Facebook.com slash Scott Leg Week. So cool. And uh, we're going to do some fun things. It's kind of an informative thing that I've done to kind of share from kind of fun facts about amputees. And then eventually we're going to create a St. Jude fundraiser out of it. But we're going to ask great. people to do a one-legged challenge, post a video, and certainly consider <laughs> donating to St. Jude uh, in my honor because of, uh, like I said, I, they may have lost a leg, but you don't lose heart when you lose a leg. And you in St. Jude saved my life, so I'm more than happy to give up my leg to live the life I live. I got a wife and three LC kids at home now. So, well, Scott, we appreciate you talking with us. You're a good friend, and we support everything you do. Thank you so much for telling us about St. Jude's. Well, thank you guys and all the 1025 The Bull. You guys have been longtime supporters, and we can't we can't do it without you. So, thank you. You've been listening to Viewpoint Alabama, a public affairs program from the Alabama Radio Network. The opinions expressed on Viewpoint Alabama are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station. If you have any comments or questions about the program, please send an email to viewpointalabama at arnnet.com. You can also send a letter to the Alabama Radio Network, 600 Beacon Parkway West, Suite 400, Birmingham, Alabama, 35209. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next week for another Viewpoint Alabama from the Alabama Radio Network.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.